0: Hey guys, just wanted to tell you what I'm doing up top here. I have some already recorded episodes that I'm going back and retooling. While I have previously released episodes that have both my solo portion and the interview portion together, I'm from here on out going to be releasing the two segments as their own episodes. Also, for the remaining episodes I already have in the bank from before the quarantine hit, I'm going to go back and re-record my portions, starting with this very episode. I've decided to stop doing the narrative retelling and just do a more free-flowing show of personal feelings and creator information mixed in with some plot points and dialogue that I like. Sometimes I'll do books with no interview follow-ups, but interviews will from now on be their own episodes. So although I do already have an interview portion recorded for this particular book, I won't be releasing it until next week. Here we go. Hello friends, freaks, nerds, and geeks, all those of you unabashedly burning in the ephemeral flames of existence right alongside me. I'm your host, Jay Van Veen, and you're listening to Why Did You Make Me Read This, your weekly comic book podcast. I know Hawkeye from the Avengers is kind of a joke in our day and age, mostly I think since the MCU Avengers came to prominence, right? The Marvel movies? But when I was a kid, I don't know, I thought he was kind of cool. That is to say, he was cool by the standards of a kid's in the early 90s. He had this goofy purple outfit with these giant purple boots and this odd little skirt thing that hung down between his legs and this giant Mardi Gras-looking mask with a capital H slapped right on the forehead. He used a fucking bow and arrow, too, for Pete's sake. Looking back, uh, maybe he didn't look so cool. But the dude himself was all right. He was this kind of cocky hero that held his own in the superhero crew despite not having any powers himself. I wasn't a big Avengers guy growing up, and despite thinking Hawkeye was a decent fella, I stopped paying attention to him completely post-90s. That is, until this fucking rad comic by these two heavy hitters coming off an Iron Fist run dropped. See, to most people, Hawkeye was maybe forgettable, maybe a bit of a douche or even kind of a joke, and if you were to make that claim there was a good period of time, I wouldn't have come to the Purple Wonder's defense. But these creators got this idea. Take away the costume. Take away the superhero team. Take away the Avengers mansion, the bombastic trips around the world or to outer space, the fights against larger-than-life villains. Take Hawkeye, or more so, take Clint Barton and put him in a hoodie and some jeans, have him drink too much coffee and beer and adopt a dog, and have him live in a lower-income apartment complex in a glamourless neighborhood of New York City. And just let him be... a person. Don't get me wrong, there's still villains and fights and bows and arrows and even the occasional cameo from one of his superhero homies. But this comic, it shows us the human side of a human guy... That fights alongside gods and monsters. We see an Avenger when he's off duty. A guy who sleeps on the couch and hangs out on the rooftop of his apartment building. Having beers and grilling hot dogs with his neighbors. But more than that, we get a truly unique, funny, and heartwarming comic book. This is a story about a superhero off the clock. Today, we're talking about Clint Barton, a.k.a. Hawkeye. Yes, today we're going to be talking about Hawkeye, specifically the last trade paperback collected for this Hawkeye run. Number four of four, it's entitled Rio Bravo. Hawkeye ran from 2012 till 2015 and was written entirely by Matt Fraction. It had a few different artists, but the mainstay and most prominent of them was a man named David Aha or maybe it's Aya or Aja, I don't know, he's Spanish, and sorry if I'm getting that pronunciation wrong, A-J-A is his last name. Colors by Matt Hollingsworth, and Letters by Chris Eliopoulos. If we're going to talk about a comic called Hawkeye, we got to talk a little bit about a guy called Hawkeye. As I mentioned up top, he's an Avenger. He has no superpowers. He's an archer that uses his bow and arrows with occasional trick novelty arrows, and his real name is Clint Barton. Clint's parents were killed when he was young, and he joined the circus. There, he became a master archer and took on the name Hawkeye as he performed trick shots for audiences. For a brief period of time after that, he was a low-level villain, but then he starts a career as a vigilante, applies to the Avengers, and he's a big shot from there on out. And look, he's basically this tough-as-nails, non-superpowered dude who is rough around the edges due to his rocky upbringing, he's badass with his bow skills, and he's also lethal in hand-to-hand combat because he's been trained personally by Captain America. Oh, and he has a brother named Barney who we'll learn a little bit more about later. I think that's all the backstory Mr. Barton needs. Oh yeah, wait, this whole run also focuses on another hero named Hawkeye. That's right, a younger gale by the name of Kate Bishop, she's kind of a protege to Clint. She also functions a little bit like a, a sidekick for a while. She gets frustrated with Clint and his self-destructive ways and she actually leaves New York and heads out to the West Coast and for a while there, there's some rotating issues of her adventures out there mixed with Clint's New York escapades. And while a lot of people seem to really like those Kate Bishop issues, and I think they're great... I really prefer the tales set back in New York City with our dude, Clint. Actually, my favorite is when they're both together in New York, but I'm getting sidetracked. She's gone as this trade begins, and we're left with a version of Clint Barton that set the bar impossibly high for Hawkeye creative teams to compete with after the fact. So like I said, I'm covering trade four out of four, and although it does cover the end of the run, as I was saying earlier, there's a a mixture of Kate and Clint issues that would come out every other turn, but how they collected the trade paperbacks together was that volume three was all of the solo Kate Bishop Hawkeye issues, and volume four was the ending of the series, focusing on Clint Barton himself. In this story so far, Clint has taken up a street-level crusade of stopping some Eastern European mobsters from violently forcing out the tenants of his apartment building so that their boss could complete his mission of buying up the whole neighborhood and making some serious bank on some real estate investment deal. It's easy for the reader to be on the side of hating the bad guys here, as they're not only shady and violent gangsters, but also rich evil assholes that want to literally bulldoze down the lives of lower-income folks for the sake of lining their already deep pockets. Fuck em. But these villains aren't just a generic lineup straight out of central casting. Oh no. These Eastern European mafiosos are a unique and hilarious brand of bad guy. First of all, they wear matching outfits. You heard me. Every goon on this goon squad wears a red Adidas tracksuit with yellow stripes running down the arms and legs, and they also have a fresh pair of some white Adidas kicks. The men have a limited English vocabulary speaking tersely in truncated grammar, and the cherry on top is that they throw in bro in almost every sentence. At one point, there's a kind of Mexican standoff, and they're all pointing their guns at Clint in the street and trying to force him into their white cargo van for the sake of an abduction, and the lead goon goes, surrounded bro, Van, bro, and another gangster chimes in, bro, he shoots you bro, so you go bro, you go. Most of the time, these dudes just serve as punching bags for Barton and his buddies, but Fraction managed to make them something more than just a generic bunch of baddies. Hawkeye nicknames them the Tracksuit Draculas, and that is just fucking perfect. Their leader is this old man in an all-white tracksuit. He wears a backwards white Kangol hat like LL Cool J used to wear, and he also wears those weird shutter shades like Kanye West used to wear back in the day. And these goofy but really dangerous bad guys, Clint never has too hard of a time taking them down. But the boss man, he called in a hitman for backup. Kaziu is a Polish assassin that paints his face black and white like a mime, a little teardrop at the corner of his eye for added effect. He wears a three-piece suit with a fancy white trench coat, and although he sounds a bit silly, he's most definitely the more formidable foe of the series. We'll get back to some of the havoc he wreaks in a minute. But why is the verb reek only ever used with the noun havoc? Reek means to cause or bring about. I look that shit up. How come you don't reek pain on people? How come viruses don't reek infection on our bodies? I mean, they do. We just don't say that they do. Furthermore, why is the adjective voracious always used when people talk about their ample reading habits? I'm a voracious reader. He's a voracious reader. These are the hard-hitting questions you probably all demand of your comic book-related podcasts, right? Moving right along. The story contained within this concluding paperback is that of Clint, his brother, Clint's friends and neighbors in his apartment building, and their ultimate battle against the tracksuit Draculas. It veers all over the place, but in a good way. Such as when Barney, that's Clint's older brother, who is a bit of a bum and likes it that way, shows up into the story. We then see some scenes of the Barton brothers' childhood, like them dealing with their dad, who was a violent and angry drunk, and how they had to deal with his death and also the death of their mother as both parents died in a car crash. Growing up, Barney taught Clint to be strong, how to take punishment and learn to ignore pain, as well as how to dish some of it out. Also, when they were kids, Clint got into an accident that resulted in temporary deafness, so he had to learn to communicate through sign language, which his big brother learned right alongside him. And this is an important detail of the past to drudge up because it plays an important role in one of the best features of this comic book. Remember Kazu, the Polish assassin in my makeup, with the white coat? Of course you do. How could you forget? Well, at one point, he gets the drop on the Barton boys, stabbing Clint right in the eardrums with his own arrows and shooting Barney in the gut, damaging his spine in the process. This results in us getting a story where in which anytime anyone talks to Clint, all the readers see is a blank word balloon representing the fact that Clint can't hear a word the person is saying to him. And better yet, anytime Clint wants to talk to his brother, he does so through the sign language the two still remember from childhood. And we get these sequentially numbered panels inserted into the story with a nondescript blank faced person like that you'd see in maybe an airplane safety manual or something signing to us and as we see that signing we get no captions no subtitles all you get to make sense of it is the context of the story or your own ambition to go online and learn a little sign language and it works so well as a storytelling tool and just as something cool and unique in a comic book as well as something promoting asl american sign language that's one of the idiosyncrasies contained within the pages of this run that people often mention when they're discussing what's so great and unique about it. Another is that there's a whole issue from Clint's dog's perspective, which I'm not going to cover right now because it's not contained within this particular collection. But really, it just works so well, better than you'd ever expect it to. It's just a credit to the creative team on this book. And speaking of them, I want to talk about the artwork a little bit here. There are a few different artists that jump into the mix over the 22 issues that comprise this run, but the mainstay guy is named David Aya, or Aja, or aha I don't know how to say it. When people refer to this Hawkeye comic run, they refer to it as the Fraction and Aya run. And they do so because despite not being the exclusive artist for its entirety, David did the initial comics, the most comics and his artwork is so wonderful, creative, and distinctive that it just captures what people think of when they think about this book. His art is just top-level stuff here, and Hollingworth's color palette completes Aya's artwork in the best possible way, while also setting a distinctive tone for the story itself. It's all shades of purple and black until it needs to convey a change of feeling or emotion and then comes in with these gorgeous oranges and unsettling reds. The art itself which actually isn't super detail-oriented, is the perfect visual medium to convey the complexity of the characters and the writing. David Aya squeezes a ton of panels onto his pages and makes it work in a way that doesn't feel overloaded or compressed. He can rock a nine-panel grid like nobody's business and even squeezes in a higher panel count than that onto a single page in some places, setting the pacing for the story at a breakneck speed making action sequences dynamic and high-octane, while also using the higher count to decompress, which is comic talk for setting a slower pace and letting the book breathe a little, emphasizing subtlety and character interaction. The guy employs the same technique to speed up or slow down the story, and it just works. Some comic book critics claim that decompression is somehow antithetical to sequential art storytelling and has no place in comic books. But this nerd right here says that if it's done right, it can kick some serious ass. And the artist here does that. And if we're talking about the artist, we need to talk about the writer as well. We have to talk about Matt Fraction. His complete and total intention for this book was to show us the regular guy Avenger on his days off the clock from superheroing. It was a risk. A risk that paid off, but a risk nonetheless taking a well-known Marvel superhero and showing us what he does when he is in his sweatpants. If done wrong, it could have been a real bore, and more so, pissed people off. But he takes the contradictory comic concept and creates arguably the best Hawkeye comic of all time. It's clever, it's funny, it's heartwarming, it's weird. Most of all, it shows us the human side of the most human Avenger. We see the mistakes he makes, how he gets in his own way. We see his bad habits and his worse hygiene. We see his poor relationships with romantic interests. I mean if you told me my favorite Hawkeye comic book would contain a scene where he just drinks a few too many beers and falls asleep on the couch while watching a movie, good chance I wouldn't believe that shit. Before I read it, that is. Like I'm coming to discover is often the case. It's the little things that make this book so great. Like, there's this scene where a couple of cops come in to question Hawkeye. He pours them both a cup of coffee, and then, presumably because those are the only two mugs he owns at his apartment, he just drinks coffee straight out of the pot as he talks to them. And one of the cups the officers has is this purple one with a big H on it. I mean, Hawkeye has a Hawkeye coffee mug. I honestly just love it. I love the character of Hawkeye here. I can relate to him. I can relate to the story. And I don't know. Maybe a guy in his mid-30s shouldn't be so jazzed about relating to a comic book character, but here we are. There are some things in this trade paperback I don't really care for, particularly the opening issue, which is kind of a cartoony metaphor for Hawkeye and his friends told through a children's Christmas cartoon. I just, I don't like Christmas stuff in general like that, I suppose. But that's it. I suppose that's the only thing I don't like about the book. We get some cameos from Black Widow and Spider-Woman. We kind of deal with uh, some of the consequences of one of his neighbors and friend that was previously killed. Poor Grills, I mean, poor Gill. I mean, you're going to have to read it to get that one, and you should. And we get a lot of humor and a lot of action. The Barton brothers kind of go on a rampage as they are gunning for the tracksuit Draculas. And it's not your textbook superhero stuff where they just come in and whoop ass and save the day. I mean, both of these boys take a pretty significant beating throughout the book. And the story itself culminates in a collected effort from Clint and his neighbors. They work together to fortify their apartment complex, boarding up windows, blocking the staircase with furniture from everybody's apartment, pouring down burning charcoal from grills above and some Kevin McAllister-style type defense system. All the neighbors, regular folks of all various races, occupation, ages, and interests, stealing their nerves and helping the recently made deaf Clint and his beaten, battered, and wheelchair-bound brother finally fend off those damn tracksuit Draculas once and for all. And at the apex of the story, we get the righteous return of Kate Bishop, who helps save the day and even brings back Clint's dog. I mean, it's kind of her dog now. Maybe I should say brings back their dog. Pizza dog. Or Lucky or Arrow, or Lucky the Pizza Dog. Dog has a lot of names, and he's fantastic. And the ending? Ugh, every time I read it, I get the chills. A quiet three pages as Clint heads down to the basement room of his apartment building alone, taking aim with his arrow at the practice target he has set up down there, while Kate steps in silently to join him. They wordlessly notch their arrows and let them fly into a target, that fades to black and gives us the ending credits. Hawkeye. It's a story about friendship and family and about good people who do self-destructive things. It's about potential getting caught up in uncertainty and learning to connect when you're used to shutting things out. The superhero genre has been around since the beginning of comics and it sure as shit isn't going anywhere. And I'm not going to put it down because I enjoy a lot of that stuff. But here, this kind of comic is what makes me double down on my love for the medium. When comics are at their best, superhero or otherwise, is when we get those true and honest character moments. When the hubris and power fades away to the background and people are left vulnerable and, well, human. It's that humanity that can remind you of your own. When you can see the broken bits of someone and recognize something in it. And you want it to be made right. And it reminds you to make it right yourself. Comics are art. And art is creative interpretation of existence. And this comic, this fucking comic, is art. It's because of comics like this that I defend comics in general. And the fact that it takes a character out of the Avengers, who are right up there with the X-Men and the Justice League as the most famous and mainstream superhero teams in the world... It takes one of those heroes and pulls away the entire formula of how he's supposed to operate, and we get the best thing he's ever been in. I've left a lot out. The real charm lies within the pages. I implore you, check this book out. It's something special. And I'll end there, because all I'm gonna do is more gushing. And I've gushed enough. Gush. 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 Hey, guys, thanks so much for listening. Remember that next week's episode is going to be a follow-up to this one, an interview with a good friend of mine, Sam Geikamabodi, who is a wonderful person and has a lot to say about the book. Music for this episode was made by RJ Jones. Find him on YouTube. You can find me on Twitter at WhyDidYouComics or just search the name of the show into Facebook and find that page there. You can email me at WhyDidYouMakeMeReadThis at gmail.com. And if you like the show and have a few minutes to spare, please give me a rating on iTunes, leave a review, it would be a big help. Thanks for listening guys, we'll see you next week.